Hey y'all, this is Ovi, and you're tuned in to Yeah, But Are You Listening? A space created for us to laugh and cry, share blueprints, and grow through transparency. We'll talk about the things that make us nervous and the things that get us hyped, but most of all, we'll be authentic. Let's get to it. I feel like the first thing, uh, before we even get into your intros, um, I was trying to think of how we were all connected. I mean, obviously, we all went to Southern. Um, but it's interesting to me because even though we all went to Southern, we are very much connected differently. Like, Faith and I, because um, you guys graduated when? 98. All of y'all all graduated together, right? Okay, so mm-hmm. I was... Y'all were well, see, I, I first really started seeing you when you were working at Jamboree with Faith. Right. And so, and, and then I don't really know well, when Chris came along. Like, he like stuck in there. Huh? I, high school, I worked at Camelot next door. Camelot Music. Music. <laughs> the music store. Yeah. All right. So, like, yeah. I didn't remember that. The next time I remember was when you were getting married. And I was like, well, how do I know Chris? And so, I mean, Faith was like the lead in everybody, I guess. Like she came and then I have pictures of her holding Michael when he, they were probably- Oh God, yes. Michael was like two. That was crazy. That was was crazy. The best dancer I knew. Um, (laughs) I remember her parents being preachers. Like I remember all that stuff. And then I I don't remember really knowing Frederick until he was like on my interview panel for the city. And he was like, I know you from school. And I was like, do you? Does that mean you're going to help me get this job? Because, <laughs> hey, like, hey. And then, like, now here we are. Uh, so we've been at the city. Well, I've been there for 13 years. So 13 years removed. And Fred is easily my work BFF. And then he was like the party guy. And then I was like hype because then I knew the party. Like, who doesn't want to know the dude that's throwing the parties? I, mean, I wanted to know the dude that was throwing the parties. And then um, and then we went to Central, except Chris. Like, Chris, you're the outcast. I had to get away from North Carolina. I mean, you didn't go to Central. I wish I would have done that. Thank you for being on my side. Okay, I wish. I, I, I applied for one school in North Carolina. I applied to UNC. Gotcha. And, and so I, it was no, I, I applied to UNC Charlotte because it was free, but I had no intentions on being in North Carolina at the graduation from high school. Okay. Y'all, can I, can I say something? Chris Chavius used to call me Corduroy. <laughs> Tell me about that. Tell me more. Tell me more about that. I was going to leave that alone. Like, I buried, no! <laughs> I buried that. But I used it. to. No, I dug it up. <laughs> Chris Chavius used to pick on me because my mother bought me a bunch of corduroys from Belk in South Square Mall. And she thought that this was the thing to do. So I wore them. No one else cared about my corduroys. (laughs) It's Chris Chavius, and he used to call me corduroy. (laughs) The thing is, if you just held on to them, it would be dope now. My daughter, my daughter, Peter Bailey, I'm today. Remember, if you just held on to them, you'd be good. 
I think this was around the time that the Inkwell came out. Yes, it I was. Look, I gotta look at the years, but remember that scene? Uh, yes. On corduroys, and he's like, starting the fire, starting the fire. <laughs> I'm like, here she come, here she come, and they're pink. Yes, that's she, I remember. Chris used to always, like, I would be walking out, he'd be like, corduroy, starting the fire, starting the fire, corduroy. And I was just like, yeah, so Chris, this one, I, I, I can never forget. It is hilarious now. Well, I'm glad it was a fond memory. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, 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 no, no, no. It was all love. It was funny. That's what it was. I was just like, corduroy. Yep. See? So good old days. Look at that, Chris. And you thought it was gone. It's not. I buried it. Like, I left it alone. I think I, you know, I was like, I think I saw you one time when we were after school, after college at a party. Yeah. Chris parties. And I mentioned it, and I said, I'll never bring it up again. <laughs> uh -uh. I haven't brought it up since. No, and no, he hasn't. But, but it was, it was fun, funny, you know, all, all of those things. Because now we're 40. 41, 40, you know, and when you think that, that stuff is hilarious. And I think it's because my daughter's 14. And so she's telling me, and I'm just like, girl, I know. You have no idea what they used to call us. When we school. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So instead of doing, instead of you guys, um, instead of me reading a bio or you guys telling me what you want me to say, um, I would actually like for you guys to introduce yourselves, whatever you would like the people that are going to listen to this to know about you, what your area of expertise is, because um, that's what we're going to do in this panel. So we're going to talk about lots of different topics. Typically, most of them will be around finances or some sort of that. And then I just want your um, opinions on those things based on your area of expertise. So I don't know who wants to go. Ladies first. Mm, okay. All right. So I am Faith. Patterson. Mm -hmm. I'm still trying to <laughs> get used to that. But Faith Patterson, um, newly married, but many people still know me as Faith Bynum. I am a mother first to a great 14-year-old daughter, um, and my husband, Jamie Patterson. I am an entrepreneur. Um, I'm a certified public accountant by you know, licensure. Um, I have some years in it, but I think now I'm more of an entrepreneur than a CPA. Trust me. I, you know, you have to keep up with the laws and you have to do that. So, you know, a lot of the basics you never, ever forget, but my heart is in entrepreneurship. My love is business and particularly minority owned businesses. And, um, you know, spreading the word and the know-how to other people who are wanting to start start up because, you know, those first couple of years are tough. Um, my husband, he's also an entrepreneur. So, you know, there's a lot of those types of conversations, but um, I'm probably, you know, good, halfway or decent, at least, uh, with business scaling, um, I think that's kind of where my passion is right about now. And, um, you know, setting forth and teaching that. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Frederick, you said very little, so you get to go second. 
So I'll, I'll, I'll go second. Uh, but if I go second, I may spoil some of the stuff that Chris was going to say. That's but uh, since, since, since we're here and, and we're, we're all talking about who we are, I think it's kind of good to always take a look at how everybody that you chose for your panel today is connected. Um, I'm not big into the stars like that, but I am big into the stars and I, I believe in numbers. And I just think it is ironic that all of us are big on finances. All of us were raised in Durham. All of us graduated class in 98. All of us, uh, all of us are Greek. All of us are born in August. We're literally all Leos. Um, oh. so, so that right there says a lot, right? So um, my background is, and I'll say that I am a professional generalist. Like my, my desire is to learn everything I can about everything. For what reason, I don't know. Like the, the, some people call it the worthless uh, water cooler talk. That's what I specialize in. Um, but, but seriously, I have a background in, I'm gonna say I have a background in education because I feel like I got a degree for every career that I wanted to be in. So I, I've, I've switched around a lot. I started with American Express. I'm in marketing, so, so I did sales with them. And I said, you know what, this, this, isn't, this isn't me. So I went back to school to get my degree in finance. So the first one was from AT, and I went to Central for finance because I wanted to understand investments and stuff like that. So that's when I started working at, at Citigroup as a loan officer. And, and then that I had that ethical thing hit me and I realized that I couldn't be out here doing these subprime lending to people that look like me. Uh, so I, I switched, you know, I took all the information I learned, but I, I took that with me and I started working for in the local government. Um, but before I did that, I, I got my MBA. So, you know, as, as my coworker on here knows, we both were in the treasury, you know, in, in the finance department within the treasury division. So we worked there for a few years and then I became a grant accountant and act because my coworker on here pushed me to. So she, she's the one that pushed me to, to actually become apply and accept the uh, grant accounting position. And then I was over there and I was like, you know what? IT seems like it, it's where it's going. Um, so, so I got my last degree and then I followed my coworker here over, over to the IT. So that, that was kind of how, how things have, have progressed. Um, and I just, in my personal life as well, um, I chaired the Durham Committee on Affairs of Black People, Inc., um, which is a nonprofit. Um, so we have been fortunate to have been able to garner support from a lot of grants. Uh, Duke Energy Foundation is the most recent one in addition to Microsoft. Um, and we have one or two more pendants, so we'll cross our fingers on that. And then I was appointed to the school board just recently um, in August. So that, that's what I've been working on so far. And you have a wife and two amazing boys. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, that's gonna bring up the rear. But then you stopped talking. I felt like you was about to get a baton to Chris. Yeah, I forget. Yeah, the the, the wife, the wife and kids come with it. Like it, it's a package. So so it's no them. It's just us. So when I'm when I was just talking, I was speaking for all of us. Nice day. All four of us. Nice day. I got you. I got you. All right, Chris, you gonna bring up the rear? Yeah, I was going to lead with that. I was going to lead with a husband and, and a father, a girl okay. dad, I guess. Um, I have to shout out, you know, I went to Hampton University. Since we all said Central, I got, you know, I got respect, I got respect for Central. My mom went to Central. Okay. Got family that went to Central. You know, so Central was in the family, you know what I'm saying? So, so now I'm happy to be here. So by trade, I'm a system engineer. Uh, by trade, I, I went to grad school at Johns Hopkins. I got my degree in system engineering. 
And I've been working in that space for years now. And so I'm still in IT, but it's not fulfilling to me anymore. Um, it's most of my job is marketing to executives on how I can, how the things that I teach my, 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 my teams, how I can make their job easier and more um, sustainable. And not less overtime, more feature driven work and customer driven work. But it's like marketing. I'm marketing how I can make your job better for you and you don't want it. So I'm like, I'm, it's, it's exhausting having to talk to executives that have these, these mindsets is I don't need help or these, these fixed mindsets. So I'm like, it's not fulfilling anymore. What else can I do with my life? Right. And so I'm real passionate about personal finance. Um, started back in early twenties. I started studying this stuff because I mean, Fred, you know, my dad, my dad was the finance director of Orange County. Mm -hmm. yeah. All of, all of my childhood, he was the finance director of Orange County, but we never had talks about money in the household, you know? So you think that if you're, you're you know, that if you are growing up in a house of an accountant by trade, you know, that you would have talks about, you know, what to do with money and how to make your money grow. But for us, it was real basic. It was go to school, get a good job, um, you know, and put all your money in your 401k. And one day when you retire, you'll be rich. Right. You know? <laughs> you hold on you like 70. You know? <laughs> but you just don't know. You know, you know, my mom passed at 60. You know, so all my money in my 401k is 59 and a half. I'll just now, you know, the trajectory goes like her, you know, I can only enjoy my money that I put away all these years right. when I'm 60. There's so many things that we can do today with our money, you know, to have it grow and we can have access to it at all times, you know, so I'm just real passionate about personal finance. And so that's where I'm kind of shifting my career from IT to more so helping people develop their, their financial household or get their finances, their financial household in order. So I'm real big on not just, most people talk to me about investing, but the first question I thought, and Fred, you posted earlier about it, is you know, make sure that you, what you invest, you're willing to lose. Yeah. So the first thing I ask my, my clients is I want to invest, I say, do you have three months of living expenses saved up? And if you don't, then maybe we should, Focus on that first, and then you can invest um, because you need that nest egg first. So it's having those type of conversations before we talk about building wealth. You have, you have to make sure that you have your financial household in order. And so I'm real focused on financial wholeness and wellness, mm -hmm. and then we can get into investing. So that's my passion now, and yeah, I'm enjoying it. Like that's that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Okay, just help families. I'll tell you um, one of the reasons that I wanted to bring you guys together so first i wanted to have you guys on an episode individually right because there are things about um our individual relationships that i am excited about individually right and so i was like i mean faith i have to tell you so when i decided i wanted to do a podcast so faith is smiling because i shared this with her like i shared this with her in a tearful like i couldn't even speak. i was sitting in the walmart parking lot crying it was really kind of disastrous um but when I decided I wanted to do a podcast, one of the things I did was list out the people that I wanted to share with other people, right? The things, the people that I knew that were in a particular area of expertise. And so initially when I started it, um, the guests were going to be women, right? Not necessarily all women, but primarily guys were going to be guest speakers. Sorry, guys. Um, and from the very beginning, Faith was the one. She was at the top of the list. If I had it here, it's over there somewhere. I would show you. She was literally 
at the top of the list. And when I would talk to people about wanting to launch this podcast, I would be like, and my girl's a CPA and she's got to be first. Like, I got to talk to her first. Um, because I will be the first to say, I'm not the finance person, right? I'm not the one that like, I know how to do a budget. I'm a mom. I've been a wife. Um, I'm now ex-wife, which I don't know if that makes me a better budgeter or not. I don't really know how that works. Um, but I, I have to know how to run my household because I'm the one that runs my household. But when you start talking about investments and stocks and you know, what to do with extra money. Like, first of all, what is extra money? Like, what? I'm sorry, you mean, you want me to do what now? Like I got paid, the bills are paid. I bought some new shoes, the, the, the refrigerator's full. What extra money? Like I'll holler at you again next pay period, right? So one of the things that I find most important is if there are areas that I don't, that I don't, that aren't my area of expertise is to surround myself with people that are. Like Frederick will tell you, I'll be like, I got, I got a question. If you could just call me back or just text me, I got a question. Um, and so when I started looking at like wanting to talk to you guys individually, I, I, it woke me up out of my sleep one night. I was like, nah, they all need to be together. Like they all do some similar work but with a different perspective based on what they do. And so um, I want to spend some time kind of talking about some of those things and get you all's insight on that. So like, all right, we'll start with something simple, right? So I'm going to throw out a word and I want to know the first thing that you think about. Okay. So not like a long monologue. I just want to know, boom, first thing you think about. Um, fiscally responsible. Frugal. Frugal. Frugal, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, y'all gotta have another word. Like, what is? I said budget. Budget. Okay. Okay. Mm. It's like they took my words. But yeah, honestly, because that that I use frugal in every like when I am doing it. It it's the word. Okay. It's really the word budget. But I definitely use frugal all the time. That is my word. All right. Um, financial legacy. Generational wealth. Yeah. Long term investments and trust. Yes, trust. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, wheels and business. Okay. Um, wealth. Eight My digits. Did, did you say eight? <laughs> digits? Yeah. Yeah. Wealth is eight. You're good at seven, but wealth is eight. Okay. I was going to say my grandkids are covered. Okay. Generational depth. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, we'll do one more. <laughs> Reckless spending. Living life in your 20s. <laughs> okay. Finan financially unaware. Okay. I was gonna say that's a female female trait. I'm joking. I'm joking. Because <laughs> <laughs> to be quite honest, I think I think everyone has had that stage in their life where they've been reckless with their money. Oh um, gosh. You know, I know. I, I'm like stage would mean that you grow out of it because like yeah. I know I. I would say also emotional. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, Chris is like, that's why I said women. I, I can see it. Boom. She said she made my Ooh. point. 
You know what? I think emotional, like emotions, that's why I'm not real big on buying solo stocks because I don't, emotionally, you can get tied to them and you want to look at them all day. You want to see what's going on. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't have time for that. I'd rather, you know, long play it and invest in something that has a little mix of everything and I could just put it to the side. So we're going to get to investments. We're going to get to investments specifically because I know you and Frederick um, have two probably very differing views on that, um, potentially because of the com a conversation Frederick and I had earlier about stocks. And I just was listening because I, I got nothing. I don't know nothing about it. Um, but we're basically going to start from the bottom, right? So if I were asking for a friend that, you know, a friend that talks to me about her finances <laughs> um, and I was trying to figure out if I came to any of you and was like, I have $500, right? That does not currently have a pair of shoes tied to it or a new coat or something. It doesn't have anything tied to it. Where would you have me start with that $500? Um, what would you have me do that might have potentially have the largest impact? I would, um, first ask about, you know, stuff like your credit, you know, um, so, I mean, I think there are a lot of things that, you know, when, when you're talking about like how your money is working for you and, um, interest rates on different stuff and things like that. And so I would start with like basics and, you know, what are your liabilities in your whole, you know, personal balance sheet? You know, what are, what are the liabilities that you have? And um, that's one of the first places that I would start with. Okay. Okay. So before you guys go next, I'm going to tell you the reason that I asked that question is because much like Chris, um, I grew up in a house that we didn't talk about finances. I mean, you know, my, I, was, I was raised by a single mom. My father died when I was 13. It was just me and my mom. And we didn't talk about finances. And it didn't dawn on me. So my kids are, um, I'm going to age you a little bit, Faith. So my kids are 24. Michael will be 25 in April. So 24, 20, and 15, right? And it dawned on me about a year ago, since the pandemic, my son came to me to ask me something about um, credit. And it dawned on me that we don't, we didn't talk about finances in my household either, like here physically, um, you, cause you just kind of go along to get along. Right. And so I think a large part of what I'm hoping to get out of this conversation today for some people is just education, right? Like I got $500. I want to do something with it. I don't even know where to start. Um, anyway, I think you were about to go Frederick. I just wanted to kind of give you guys some insight or some background on that particular question. Yeah. And you're right. And I, I think a lot of us grew up like that. So the reason that I grew up and I got so interested in stuff is my whole life was supposed to start the moment I turned 16. Like the moment I got my driver's license, <laughs> that is where life was supposed to begin. So I'm 13 or 14 and, and I'm, I'm showing my parents, I was like, look, I, I got this budget, you know, this is how I'm going to be able to buy this Cadillac Seville. Now I'm 14, but I figure if I save X amount of dollars every month, you know, are y'all going to be willing to match me? And of course they say yes, because they know no kid at a right fine has that much discipline. But I developed the budget on how I was going to do it. It was imaginary, you know? But um, if, if somebody told me that they had that $500, and all jokes aside, I would really ask, I, the, the one thing I ask everybody 
is like I asked them like like how are you set up like do you like do you have a, do you have a five hundred dollar credit card with a twenty four percent interest rate you know because it's through a store and and you're paying an ungodly amount every month you know like it's it's amazing how much money people could pay on a credit card with a small balance um, yes if it, yeah <laughs> I mean it's 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 just crazy so if if nobody had any credit card debt right and they really did just have $500. And this is completely probably going to be, this could be dated by the time this, you know, this thing posts, because uh, they could, a Congress could make a law. I would tell them to hop on Reddit <laughs> and, and follow the speculative trading that's going on right now, because mm -hmm. th this is one of these gaps in times in which until people could make the adjustments, people are going to be able to profit. And, and, and just because of that volatility, if you have $500 that you don't mind losing, you could have $5,000 that you could actually win. You don't know, but roll the dice. Right. That's good. Go ahead, Chris. We're going to have to, we got to tap back into that don't mind losing. Like, I just, we're going to get back to that. But we, come on, come on, Chris. Give, give me what you got. I would say ditto with a friend. No. <laughs> I, I mean, agree. I mean, the first thing you have, you have to ask is a question, like, to at face point, you know, and with Fred's point, they had, they, the first thing they said was they had to ask a question. They had to say, you know, did you have any credit card that this money could go towards? You know, but in, in, but in the scenario that they didn't have any debt, then I, was, I would definitely throw that thing into the market. But to Fred's point, but you have to be willing to lose. And any, all the money, all the money that I invest, I'm cool, I'm not cool with losing. I'm not cool with losing. <laughs> You know, but I take calculated risk and it's, it's all within my risk tolerance. So what is your risk tolerance? You know, do you need to get something back? Like if you need to return some money on this $500 and I, I might, you know, throw in something more that's going to give you more of a return, you know, guaranteed, mm -hmm. you know, but if you need to, but if you, if your risk tolerance is high, oh, we're going on Reddit. Like Fred said it, and, and we're gonna, <laughs> we gonna get what's what's it right now? AMC and and GameStop right now they're all blowing up. And, yeah, we Nokia. That and, and Check out Nokia tomorrow. We'll see. You said okay. Nokia. Yeah. Yeah, it's, but it's unprecedented times. Like this stuff is this doesn't happen that often, you know. So definitely take advantage of it. But the main thing is you have to be willing. You have to get out at the right time, and ultimate ultimately people don't know when to get out. You know, it's all speculative. So it's like, but you have to ask yourself, it's, it's all about risk tolerance. And I'm just, depending on what they say, then that's how I cater my answer. But I want to know what they're willing to, if they're willing to lose. Hmm. Okay. So I feel like the whole lose conversation is when we could take a, a huge dive into it. I'm not sure that we should do that just yet. Because I feel like that'll, that'll take us to the end, right? Damn, um, damn. So what I will say is, let me, okay, so before, before we go into investments, um, Faith, this question is actually specifically for you. So as a CPA, like when I, when I hear CPA, I think business, right? I think business, I think a business, a business person for my business, right? But mm -hmm. my mother, who is not an entrepreneur, has a, she has an accountant. Like she has a person who manages her finances. She sees a financial person. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but she sees somebody who looks at her finances. They talk about retirement. They talk about her purchases, right? 
Um, and she sees them regularly. Like they have a really great relationship. Um, and it, there are some that she talks to me sometimes about, you know, some of the things that they discuss. And I'm like, why you ain't just ask me? Is she like, because you don't know. Like that's clearly, clearly you're not the one I should be asking. And so I feel like it's a little shape, but that's okay. I mean, she's doing her thing. Um, so if you do not run a business, right? So, so obviously those people who are entrepreneurs or, that, or who do have businesses um, need a CPA. And the first thing I think about is taxes, right? I need somebody to do my taxes. But if you're not an entrepreneur, what benefit is it to have a CPA or somebody who, is, who can talk to them about their finances in depth um, right. if they don't have a business, right? Because, because there is value there, but, but what is it? How would you explain that value to somebody that's not a business owner? Right. So uh, there are different facets to finances, right? Um, I think one of the first things that I want to clear up before I even kind of go into the depth of about a CPA's value is CPAs and financial advisors are two different things, right? Um, they can be one in the same, but um, I think the 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 different concentrations and of course they kind of cross over um but you know a certified public accountant definitely can help with tax strategy tax structure um and in that i think that it also you can help to set families up right so um even if a person is working a nine to five you know, number one, you definitely want to ensure that you're getting the best tax benefits, um, even within that, because people, guess what? People who are, are working nine to fives, they're also investors. People who are working nine to fives, they also have rental properties. People who are working nine to fives, I mean, you know, we have a client that they're doing all of that and have, have a farm, you know, somewhere. So it's, you got to be able to strategize all of that for people to have the most optimal experience um, from a tax perspective. We are also um, an unpopular thing that I think should be made more popular in our families are the notion of financial statements. It's a notion of financial statements. So like your balance sheet and your income statement and cash flow is something that are automatically related to businesses, right? But you can also like understand what your family balance sheet is. What are your assets? What, what is your cash? What are the properties that you're sitting on? You know, and then what are your liabilities? Who do you owe? What's the mortgage on it? Um, what is the depreciation and all, or, or the appreciation value, right? And what is your net worth? And um, I think that that is something that should be introduced, um, particularly with the Black family. All of us have something or pieces of our stories are similar in that um, maybe finances were not talked about or they, there was um, limited conversation. And now the positioning of the Black family, we are starting to engage in a different type of conversation about finances in a more sophisticated way. And um, so I think people are starting to understand, you know, I know accountants um, 
can have some kind of value, but what is that value? And we have seen an influx in, I may not know all of what you all do because a lot of people, they're like, hey, can you talk to us about investing? Nope, that is not my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Let me refer you to Chris and Fred. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I know who can, you know. Um, and, and and there's a financial planner, uh, Brandon Norwood, that we um, that we also refer some people to. But at the end of the day, um, we can talk about it from, you know, a long-term perspective. Maybe, you know, bring in some of those elements that you do speak with your financial advisor about. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, how does it also play into the totality and this is where sometimes um, people, they'll have their financial advisors and their CPAs talk, mm -hmm. right? About, all right, so what is the best strategy for this family? All right, we see that this is the return on this and blah, 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 and all of this. And, you know, their 401k is set up to bring this in and all of that. And so, I mean, that's what the money team is about. So um, that's what, to get back to your point, taxes, some um, basic financial planning with a financial advisor, and starting to understand what your net worth and your family balance sheet um, entails. It's funny. Can I ask one question on that? Over here? Yeah. Uh, because, because I heard something and, and I never get to actually hear a professional talk about this, okay. um, like, on the spot. So in finance, we always calculate it like a terminal value, like when we want to know what a company is really worth. And that's basically just like 10 years times their revenue. And I've seen a lot of times, like uh, during the last administration, they were talking about people that work for the administration and they'll calculate what their net worth is. And I'll see them, it seems like they calculate whatever their retirement plan is and they calculate that times 10 years as well. Is that standard nowadays when you're calculating somebody's net worth, you take their retirement and you multiply, you know, multiply it times 10, like the, like the terminal value? Because this is, this is new. No, not net. I, there are actually a, a lot of factors um, that can really fall in that, you know, because again, it's that. And then you also have to, bring in their other assets as well that people right. are sitting on um and but their, their retirement is that do they count their their pension and this this isn't like a like a regular job this is like federal employees that have a pension is that how is that counted when you're calculating somebody's net net worth mm, we now the formula that you're using is something different we don't necessarily calculate it on that level we will include the value of it in along with their you know other assets that they may have but it's not necessarily at least on how we do it on our end um necessarily a um a net worth calculation per se um that that we use just because it, it's you know, because some of them, they have, you know, the worth of their businesses plus the other assets that they're sitting on and, and then their retirement and um, all of that. So that's more the formula that we use on the side. But I would like to maybe talk offline to get more information from that perspective. Um, yeah. Excited. So let's be clear. So when I went to Central, right, 
um, I was a psych major. And at one point along that, um, that matriculation line, I'm just saying, it was a little cold, <laughs> but you know, had a kid, had a lot going on in there. Um, I was going to take like double major in business because psychology was for all um, purposes, a lighter degree. Um, it, it didn't, it was a lighter degree. I just, I'll just leave it there. Um, something I was really passionate about, but it wasn't like your nursing major or one of your really heavy, you know, you had to do all this coursework. It, it wasn't like that. Um, and I remember going to like micro and macroeconomics and I was like, this ain't for your girl. <laughs> Don't laugh at me, Chris. I was like, this not, Mm -mm. No, I feel you. That's the same I was classes. like, it's not for your girl. And I, and the thing is, is that when I was in school, math and English were my favorite subjects. So like, I could do math with my eyes closed. Um, but micro and macroeconomics, yeah, they won't for your girl. And and in my mind, I was like, I mean, I watched my mama balance her checkbook. Like, I understand profit and loss. But I got in there and was like, yo, I don't understand profit and loss. And so it is a very different. Um, it is a very different tool and like one that, you know, number one, I don't think we talk enough about, um, not just, you know, I, I think back growing up, like you just, it just worked. Like, I don't know what the finances were. I can't even remember. I feel like growing up, it was taboo to even know how much my mom made. Like, I don't know what my mom's salary was growing up. I just know we had enough. I knew we lived in a house. My mom drove whatever car she wanted. I was an only child. I was in gymnastics and all this other stuff. And we just had enough. Um, and I can remember being an adult with children and my kids being like, mommy, how much, how much money you make at work? And me being offended, like, you're not finna be out here telling your little friends how much money I make. That ain't none of their business. You know, but those were things you just didn't discuss. You didn't discuss your finances. And for whatever reason, um, like even your salary was just personal. It was personal. How your, what the struggles were, were personal. And now that I have two adult children, they often are like, why you ain't tell me that I was going to make enough money to pay my rent and that's it. Like, I don't, why you ain't tell me food was so expensive? You know what I'm saying? Like, and because those aren't things you talk about. You just, you just move right along. Um, and that kind of brings me, I guess, to a little bit about investments in terms of both um, of you, Chris and Fred said, you know, you have to be willing to sacrifice, right? So I guess the first question would be, what would be considered like a secure, safe investment for somebody that doesn't invest? Can I? Frederick is like, they don't even go together. Before, before we jump into that, can I touch on a, a something you just oh, said? Please. Um, and it's, you know, your kids were saying that, why, why didn't we have these discussions? I think it's something that we need to introduce. We all have families, right? I think it's something that we need to introduce to our children. I think it's important that we sit down, that I think it's important that your children see you sit down and discuss finances. And when they get into the age, my daughter's four, so we had some time. Well, actually, now is probably a good time to start to in include her in on some of these conversations. But when I have clients, when I have clients that are a couple, you know, the biggest thing is most of my clients that are married, they have a disconnect when it comes to money. Yes, they do. Talk about it. You know, they have a disconnect when it comes to money. And it's like, I'm like, you, we have to get to a place where we no longer, we, we live like a married couple and we don't live like college roommates. And we need to bring our ass, our stuff together. And it's contentious, but the thing about it is, is that we're stronger together. 
Um, but we, but one of the things I do with my couples is I'm like, look, you all can't talk about money. So let's start from, from, the, from here on out. When we build this budget together, you're going to have meetings on every Sunday and you're going to discuss the budget and your children are going to be there with you. Maybe talk about it after you have dinner, but having this conversation in front of your children gets them to a place when they become our age, they will not have issues discussing money. Right. You know, money was taboo in our community. Like to your point, like we, we don't talk about salaries, but we don't talk about salaries. That means the company can pay us anything. That's right. Because I don't know how much Fred makes. So I can get paid $30,000 less than Fred and we're doing the same job because Fred and I don't talk about our money because it's taboo to talk about salaries. Right. You know, and bigger than that is that we have to stop being embarrassed about our financial situation. Mm-hmm. Um, no one's judging you about your money, mm-hmm. except for ourselves. They are. They, they do judge you. Like, Frederick is like, well, this well, might be a little bit of judgment. You may have some, but they're the wrong people that you need to be worried about. You know what I'm saying? Agreed. Right, right. Like, like, like they about your money, they don't, they don't have a, a point in your equation. So it doesn't matter what they think. Right. You know, but so many people are scared to get help because they don't want to be looked at under a microscope. Right. We don't, they don't want as a, as a financial coach or a planner, you, they don't want me to dig into the details or to them, they think it's the gory details, but it's not. Right. We, I've been there before myself. You know what I'm saying? My, my bank account does not reflect the money I've made over the last 18 years of my career. Mm-hmm. I wish it did, but I didn't do the right things on money in my early 20s. Right. You know, we all have been there, but get help and, 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 and normalize the, you know, people are saying normalize stuff these days, right? But truly that like, normalize these conversations in our circle of friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very intentional. I mean, Fred and I, we've been friends since we've met, you know, but I've been very, we've been very intentional about, you know, the folks that we surround ourselves with. We can have these conversations with our friends, our boys. Right. And it's a regular conversation. You know, most, a lot of people don't have these conversations within their circle of friends. That's right. So we got to change that. I agree. So, so yes, we were going down a different road, but we could just take a pit stop right here. So not only do I agree with all of that, right, but just in pieces, I can remember. So when I was married, we had, I had an account and he had an account and then we had a joint account that was like for house stuff, mortgage, I don't know, whatever was the house stuff. Um, and it worked for us, but I can't tell you how many people that I've talked to, um, women especially, because women are typically told by somebody, some matriarch in their family, like yeah. you keep some money he don't know nothing about. Period. You can share whatever you want, but this piece over here, keep that in your shoe drawer and that your sock drawer. I don't have a shoe drawer. Okay, so keep that, you know, where he doesn't know anything about it and he should never know anything about it. I know lots of women that were raised that way. And so when they get married, ain't no sharing finances, right? Um, As an aside to that, you know, I think there are oftentimes couples get into relationships or even get married and you have no idea what you're taking on because y'all ain't never talked about each other's credit. You ain't never talked about each other's debt. You don't know that he got a million dollars worth of student loans, right? because he changed majors every two years and never graduated. Like, 
because you never talked about that. You like, he loved me. He take me out to dinner. He wear nice stuff. He smell good. Like who cares that his credit scores are 312, you know? And so then you get married and now you don't understand why you can't buy a house or why you can't buy a car or why nobody will give you anything or why you have that credit card with the $200 limit and your interest rate is 37. Like, and it's too late. I mean, it's never too late, but at that point, you guys are now connected by more than just the fact that you like the way he smells, right? And now that debt has now become your debt. And that difficulty in finances has now become your difficulty in finances. Um, and then in addition to that, as I've gotten older, I have come to appreciate and only desire the type of friendships that either push me to the next level, right? So Frederick talked about um, our kind of our career, professional career together. And he will tell you that at every opportunity, I'm like, take that job. But it's, it's a lateral. Yeah, but you're going to learn something that you, you don't know today. Take the job. Like, this job will be here when you get back. Um, not only do I want friends in my circle that push me that way, but I want to be around people that I can push that way, that I can lean on, people that make six figures and seven figures and eight figures, you know, that can, like, take me with them. And I don't mean take me with them in terms of give me a handout, but that can look and say, all right, Obi, these are some of the things that you could do differently if you want to level up right i talked to frederick earlier today and he was talking about stocks and i was my eyes like glazed over because i don't know nothing about stocks but i was listening and i was like you know what he's talking about and at the point when i got some extra money i'm gonna just give it to frederick and he could just kind of do whatever with it <laughs> um so that kind of brings me back to um safe and or secure investment so what does that look like for somebody that might be new to the game is that even a thing like if you're going to be scared do you just not do that do you just not invest so so let's let's say it like this the the whole definition or intent behind the word invest it means you put money in something and you take a risk in hopes that it will pay off you know with a positive yield but a risk in itself has to have some level of risk otherwise there there would be no return so everything has a risk then the other thing that you have to think about is not investing in anything is a risk because when you account for what inflation means, if you start off with, with $100,000 and inflation rate is 2%, that means next year, now you only have 98,000. So. so then what do you tell somebody though? If I came to you and I was like, all right guys, I wanna start investing. Um, and I can't, and like, okay, so we're talking about being transparent, right? So if I come to you and I'm like, I wanna start investing, but I can't afford, I'm gonna give you $500 and I can't afford to have less than $500. Like, even if it doesn't make any money, I can't afford to now have $300. So like, what do you, what do you tell somebody that faith is like, you tell them nothing, <laughs> but like, what do you tell somebody that really is So I guess the question is, do you then tell that person to invest a smaller amount? Like, do you say, so don't invest the $500, just invest $50 and see what it does. Or do you just tell them to take their ball and go home? Cause y'all all looking at me like, <laughs> I think ultimately investing investing is a long-term strategy. Um, we get caught up in the quick wins, right? And when you get caught up in the quick wins, we get busted with the quick losses too. Um, you know what I'm saying? For me, investing is a long-term strategy. So, and I already said I'm very passive. So that's where I think this is where Fred and I differ is I'm, I slow play it. 
You know, I don't, I don't really invest in, I, I own, do I own Apple stock? Do I own Tesla stock? I'm, I'm naming those because people, those are sexy. People think, you know, like, I get this Apple stock. So I own those, right? But I also own a lot of mutual funds and a lot of index funds because for me, I can put to your point, your example, $500, I could buy several shares of a, of a mutual fund. I could buy several shares of an index fund. And I know that over the course of the, so before you get too deep into that, define what those are. Because if I was listening to this, that, that means nothing to me. An index so, means nothing. I don't know what that is. So index funds, so it, it's mirrored to the S&P 500. So it has stocks that are on um, the S&P 500, and it, it's a conglomerate of different stocks in one fund. So okay. may have a, you may have an industry fund, like a text, text um, index fund, and it may have Apple, Microsoft, Dale, a couple of different other companies in there. And that's one share that has a, a spread of portfolio within itself. Okay. Right? So you own, so you own an index fund and you have, you have ownership into these other little companies, little okay. pieces of shares, right? Um, same thing with mutual funds. But so ultimately, so I'm looking at diversification. So not just Apple, not just Tesla, I want five or 10 different companies. So when one's not doing too well, the other eight are doing just fine because it kind of balances itself out. But you can look at these funds and see how they've been, um, see their activity over the course of one year, five year, 10 years, and you can see how they perform without having to do so much research in, or looking at company perspectives and seeing you know, what they're gonna do in the next quarter that can increase their stock. Uh, you can just look at the fund and how the fund's being managed. Now, Frederick, so I know you, you, you view that a little differently because we had some conversations today about something was happening. You were pretty excited about it. So yeah. if I came to you with my $500. <laughs> so here, here, here's, here's the thing also, because everybody's situation is different. So everybody, you have to put everything in context, right? So Chris works in, in a private sector, right? The private sector definitely pays more, um, but they have to make sure that when they leave, that they can keep up their same level of lifestyle. So they, if you're smart, you're gonna invest more and you're gonna be investing for the long term, right? So I'm on the opposite end. Like, honestly, I just know I have to do my, I have to do my uh, 15 and a half more years. And in August of 20, what is it? 20, uh, 36, I, I leave. And, and, and I know exactly what my income will be. So I'm not, in. And I love the thrill, you know what I mean? And, and I love the thrill. And to me, for, for what I'm looking for, I'm looking for, just from a finance perspective, I, I look at the compounding interest in a, in a different way in which I look at something in which I know I can easily make half a percent return every day that I invest. And that, that's if I do, like, cause you have to be dedicated to it. I don't want people to think that you can just invest money and it's going to be guaranteed a half a percent every day because it, it don't, it really don't work like that. <laughs> I mean, because everybody thinks they smart. Everybody thinks they can time the market, but the moment that they buy it is when it starts to go down. So that, and, and then you have to look at the scale that you're investing in. You have to look at how much it costs for you to trade these shares. So when I, when I'm saying that, you know, you could get half a percent every day that you're, you're investing, that really just means that you could get three to 4% a week, which means like, like now I have a, I have a cannabis stock. Um, I, it is Canadian based. 
um, what is it? Was it the APHI? Whatever it is, it, it broke the analysis records and it ended up going up like 30 to 40% last month. Now that's not sustainable, you know? And, and I need to go ahead and sell it because that greed is what, that greed is what slows you down. You know, because now you're like, oh, it did 40. I think it could do 70. Let me hold off. <laughs> nah, you need to, you need to, <laughs> you need to, let's go. Yeah, horse race. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But see, but the only reason that I even have that money, because I, I've been completely against, I've been completely against Robinhood for me, because I've always used like Scott Trader, which is now Ameritrade. Um, but, but my friends were on it, and I wanted to be able to have a, uh, unbiased opinion of the platform. And I think it's tons of benefits to, um, for it. I, I think it's provided a great opportunity because it allows people to buy, you know, fractions of, of a share. So it's, so it's great. But like some of the things that didn't work for me is that I can't, I can't instantly transfer five to $10,000 into that account and it shows up instantly. It doesn't. Okay. I, I have to wait and it <laughs> takes just as long for that money to come out. So I can't do it. Your savings. Right. right, right. So I literally, I literally tried to put 5,000 in and it was like on Dodgecoin. And I was like, cool. So I put the 5,000 in, but I didn't realize that only a thousand shows up. So you got to wait a whole nother week for the other four. By the mm -hmm. time that week came, I, I was already sold out of Dodgecoin because I didn't want to be in it anymore. Right. So I had like $300 in profit. I said, you know what? I don't care about this money. I'm going to let this sit here. Let me take my thousand back out and I moved it either to like Celsius or Coinbase because the other thing about Robinhood is you're buying the dollar equivalent of the cryptocurrency. You're not actually getting the real tangible asset crypto coins um, in which you can use to pay people, which is another conversation. But the point is, is that there was a lot of limitations, but I, I kept that money in and I said, let me find a stock. Let me read what this analyst has said. They said this Canadian company exceeded expectations. And then the next two weeks, it just started booming. So, you know, that's, that's, that's how I look at it. It's tons of opportunity, but it really depends on how much you're willing to invest of your time. Cause it does take a lot of time. That's what, that's what, that's what I was going to say is to do, to, to be though, like a solo invest or solo stock investor, you really do have to do the research and really know how to dissect the company and, and their and even their finances and yeah. look at their finances, right? So if you most families don't have the time to do that type of research or you're up, most of my boys that are really like into day trading and things, they're up all night reading and researching and they're very successful, but they're spending time and sweat equity to be successful. Yeah. So for the typical for the, the average family of average person that doesn't have that time, it doesn't want, they don't really want to be a professional like that, then look into mutual funds and, and, and index funds so you can grow your money. Because to Fred's point, the biggest thing is for, especially for black people, is we keep our money in the bank. And, <laughs> and, and people outlive your money. Because it, it costs, like what Fred said, I always <laughs> say inflation is 3%. You know, but mm -hmm. it's real. The price of, eggs the price of eggs in 78 is a whole <laughs> lot different than the price of eggs in 2021 yeah, so imagine yeah. in <laughs> yeah you know what i'm saying but but that money that you have is still that's in the bank is going to be buying those eggs in 2041 at that price so the whole goal in finances is to outpace inflation and you can't do that if you don't invest 
So what do you guys think collectively about Bitcoin? So like, you know, again, these are just, for me, these are just buzzwords because I, I got nothing. But like, I do know, you know, a couple months ago or maybe at the beginning of the pandemic or just before there was this huge, like it was the rage, right? There was this huge, everybody was trying to buy it all up and it was all in the news and they were, it was, you know, cryptocurrency was um, going to be the thing everybody was going to. And I don't hear about it anymore. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not out there. It's not still, you know, an asset or something to have and know about. Um, but you know, what is the, what is the, you know, what is your feeling towards that in terms of trading and investing and investing, either using that or investing in that as a stock? I don't even know if that's a thing. A coin? No, yeah, I mean, I don't even know if you can invest in Bitcoin yeah. or do you just use Bitcoin to invest? I don't know. So I would, anyway. I'll, I'll defer that to Fred only because I know Fred looks into crypto more than I do. I haven't done the due diligence to really dig into cryptocurrency. I understand, the, you know, the genesis of it and how it's, you know, how it's with the servers and how it's like Bitcoin's mind and it's 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 some nerdy. It's, nerdy. it's a whole. It's, it's over the top. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's over I the don't top. Feel so bad. I don't feel so out of the loop now. You, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Here, here goes the thing. Like the the whole premise behind um, the the whole premise behind the crypto technology, cryptocurrency, um, blockchain technology is to be able to decentralize. You have the ability to decentralize everything. And it is almost error proof because you have so many backups. It's, it's, it's like you have something in the data center and you have backup after backup after backup. So you have tons of redundancy. So you don't have to worry about people trying to change the script or, or anything else like that because all of these computers around the world are now connected. You know what I mean? It's like the World Wide Web of currency. So you have, you have like stable coins. And, and when I say stable coins, I mean, these are like the coins that are, have the longest ten tenure. They have their own technology, which they all operate off of. So like you may have a Bitcoin, which is what everybody knows. You have Ethereum, which is like one of the key ones that people transfer money off of. And then you have something like the XRP, which is what the financial in industries love because it helps them be able to move money, you know, from, from industry to industry or, or company to company. And then you have all of these, we could call it like tokens that, that sit on top of this, um, this um, blockchain technology. And it's like a derivative of, ETH, uh, of uh, uh, Ethereum or a derivative of, of Bitcoin. So it, it goes out there. And then you have just almost, I'm not going to say made up tokens, but, but you have the belief that this token is worth something, just like the belief that you have a dollar. And now because so many people have been investing in cryptocurrency, it creates the demand because there's some expectation that it's going to pay off and it's going to yield dividends. And, and the question I pose to like a lot of groups that, that I, was, I was working with is when Biden gets elected, mm -hmm. how do you all think the, the, um, the demand for cryptocurrency is going to work? Because my thought was the stock market was going to pick up, right? And if you have $1 and you want to invest that dollar, if you're risky, and wherever you can make that dollar become $2, right? So if the stock market looks like it's about to start shooting up, that means that person that would have normally put that full dollar in cryptocurrency 
Now they're looking towards the stock market. So now you have all this news talking about five, 600% returns in one day on some of these stocks. And you hear that, so you ask yourself, well, I mean, I know Bitcoin was nice, but it's, it's dropped 25% in value now. Why, why should I do that? So, you know, it's, it's cyclical. Um, and some people don't believe in a cyclical trading because it, it's not necessarily part of the fundamentals of being able to do a complete analysis of a company. But when you take into consideration the psychology of people, that's part of the trade. All that to say, don't invest in anything you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> and don't invest, when you do understand, don't invest money you're not afraid to lose. And then, yeah. That's, I don't, that's one of the one, one rules. Like, don't invest in anything that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. You know, yeah. it's funny you say that, right? Because I think that that is one of the places that we miss the mark so often, right? People want to, um, they want quick wins, right? People play the lottery because they want, they want quick wins. I buy a dollar ticket. I wanted to yield a $10,000 return. Like, you know, um, I know people, I was actually talking to a girlfriend of mine today about scratch-offs, right? And she, we were just having this whole conversation about, you know, the, the types of scratch-offs that she buys and things like that. And, you know, I know people that will spend, you know, so typically you talk to people that are like, that are big in lottery or big in scratch offs and they start with how much they've won. They're like, oh, I've won $20,000 this year. And I'm like, yo, how much, <laughs> like, how much did you lose though? But it doesn't matter because I hit big. Yes. But how many so, dollars and $5 and $10 did you scratch offs did you buy before you hit one that paid for those? Do you want to hear something funny to that? So I like, I, I love doing research and I love creating my own little studies. So I did this study one time and of course I love spreadsheets. So I was buy I was buying lotto tickets and this went on for about three months. So every, every so often I would buy only $20 increments, right? Because if you're going to invest, you got to invest for the highest ones to see if you can hit. The question is, if you do it enough, you will, but how much do you have to hit before you get that payoff? So essentially I had 350, uh, $340, $350 worth of wins. The revenue I bought in was only $230. So I lost $120, right? But I was always one hit away, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that being a different story, you was one hit away, and that being a completely different story. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so I, you know, that's not to say, like, I don't knock anybody that buys, you know, lottery tickets. I buy them, like, and when the lottery is, you know, I think the last one was like, one of them was a billion dollars. I think the Mega Millions was a billion dollars. And one person in Michigan hit and won, right? Um, and so I'm the person that's like, I'll buy two. <laughs> like, <laughs> if $4 makes me a billion dollars, then I won. Like, I, I am the story that won, right? Um, but I think that that is, that is part of it is that, you know, we, not only do we want quick wins, but people don't really want to spend the time to understand not only about investments, but also like about being an entrepreneur. Um, before I even started doing a podcast, I can't tell you the number of phone calls I made, the number of podcasts I listened to, the number of conversations I had with people just about business ownership, not necessarily about podcasting, right? But just about 
like what to do, how to make it work, whether or not I need an LLC, like just across the board, um, trying to get an understanding of what I was getting into. And I think we are, you know, I don't know if we are on the backside or the front side of a microwave generation where they just wanted to be quick. You know, I want to start a business and I wanted to make a million dollars tomorrow. And I, you know, I don't want to deal. Faith is like, that is not how it works. Um, <laughs> but you know, I don't know. The, the, uh, uh, the first day it doesn't go well or they didn't have a good day or, you know, they're, they're ready to cut it off and, and, you know, toss it out with the bath water. Um, but that's not how it works. Like, and I know that's not how investing works, but I also think that that's just how, you know, the generation is, is, is kind of programmed to think. My son is probably the, the biggest example I have of that because I'm like, yo, you just started. Like, I, I sent him a meme the other day that said, um, it was some, something I saw on Instagram and it was like the average millionaire is 62 or billion, millionaire is like 62 years old and here you are 28, like stressing about your paycheck. And granted, you can't wait till you get 62 to be a millionaire, but also there are life lessons along the way that you just got to put the work in. Um, yeah, that, that journey is, is something that um, money just can't buy and, and, and the lessons along the way that, that you were mentioning. And, you know, I get a lot of people that ask about entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and, you know, all that has come with it. And we, I just, um, I'm in year six of full-time entrepreneurship and um, it's something that like I saw my dad, you know, he was, he was a sole proprietor and I didn't realize it at the time, um, that I was in a business class at six and seven years old by watching him, you know, I had no idea. Um, but a lot of the things that I learned to do and even more so of the things of not to do, I was able to carry it with me through these years because there were many days I was like you know what gosh my dad did go through that you know my father he didn't know how to talk to folks so guess what help us never would stay you know and and I learned how to communicate you know and um just all of the things and um you know Chris had mentioned hey listen his approach is that investment is a long game same with business it's a, I mean, this thing is a long game. Now, I, you do see your wins incrementally. And as you kind of look back and you're like, okay, well, all I know is that I'm in year six and I'm not doing any of the work of the accounting work, of the tax work. Right. You know, that's what my employees do. But I have a different kind of job. I have to manage them and I have to. Um, continue ensuring that we're positioned well for the clients to keep coming, whether, and it's it's not necessarily me having to be in front of a camera or anything like that. But again, it's the long run. It's the, it's the, it's that journey along the way. And so um, I think that people, they have a romanticized love fantasy when it comes to um, investing, when it comes to thinking about business um, because it looks good. It's attractive when people talk about it. Everybody's looking amazing. Yep. And I think that um, in, you know, with, with these conversations and um, 
getting and and representing a different type of an awareness we have to talk about all of it you know the good and the bad you know um talk about when a there was some months where i needed to figure out if i was going to pay my employees or pay my mortgage you know what i'm saying it's it's like it's those real conversations and and i give it people i give it to people raw like you know y'all see this and and it's nice but you know what, what about the journey to to get to it and i think that the more transparent that we are about all of it um either people will still say okay yeah i, I want to commit to that or maybe think about it in a different way um yeah so. people don't want to hear about all that faith they just want to but I tell them, I tell them, you can get out here if you want to, yeah. and think that you're gonna quit your job tomorrow, and you got a family of five, six. Y'all gonna be honest. No, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. And, you know, it's like people need to stop acting as it is beautiful. It ain't all the time. Um, but but you know if if you're willing to see it through when if you have somewhat of um uh somewhat of an idea of what to do you do have a nest egg somewhere um you're willing to um some people say sacrifice i just say make different investments hey you know i may have to forego that trip um you know for the summer of 2017 to invest in this human capital but you know, my investment in that also frees me up in other ways. So it's a long game. Um, so, so I had no problem with, like, I'm one of these people that I did not care about spending any money when I was, when I was in debt, okay? I did not care. I'm like, look, I don't need no vacation because all I'm going to want to do is spend money like I got it and I don't. You know, it's like that cat with that meme, like they're looking like, what am I doing? <laughs> but no, like I didn't want to go anywhere because all I could do was I would get somewhere and I would think, man, like I could have paid, I could have paid this off for this two grand right here. You know, what what am I doing? So I, I think the most difficult, I think one of the, ooh, this is not going to sound right. I think what uh, this whole pandemic has allowed people to do is to sit in one place, force them to think, and force them to come to grips with how they've been spending their money throughout their entire life. And I think a lot of people have, have woken up. Now, I'm a, I'm a party promoter. I may not be a party promoter after COVID-19. I'm not going to no club. I'm not doing it. Uh, <laughs> like, that is not me. You'll see me at the door, you know, giving people the head nod, but I'm not going inside that building while people are in there. I can't do it. So, you know, I think a lot of people are going to have to come to grips with you know, all that spending that, that we used to do, that money could be used elsewhere. And, and so I think our generation and maybe the half of the millennials are awake. Uh, they've, they're now awake. I'm not going to say woke. They're now awake and they're not going to make as many of the same decisions that they made before because people are going to get so used to this whole virtual feel for a while that, you know, even when it's safe to go outside, people are going to be like, yeah, I'm probably going to chill. I've, I've literally seen a narrative shift in how clients approach us. Um, and, you know, it's not just what can we do? How can we do it? And, and really, you know, wanting to, to understand, there's a yearning to understand. And, um, 
you know, once the distractions of the world kind of slows down, as you were saying, Fred, it's like, no, people, they were forced. They were forced to take a more in-depth look. And, you know, Chris, he he was, you know, he was talking about earlier the emotional piece. And, oh, no, it was couples. When you were talking about you were advising couples. And, um, you know, do you all know how many couples I tell people I feel like a financial therapist? You know, I have to get the tissue. Here you go. Here you go, lady. Here you go. You know, because she's crying and I'm having to be like, well, wait, 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 hold on. Well, okay, sir. You know, I'm refereeing. You know, and I've even seen, you know, couples and um, people who are getting ready to get married say, listen, you know, before we get married, we were thinking about this. And it's, I think um, on one end, you know, we all know that COVID was just terrible and detrimental, but, you know, it was a blessing in disguise in so many other ways. And so, again, that narrative change that I've been seeing and I know many of us have been seeing and even on social media, I've seen so many folks talk about investing that I never thought I would. I'm like, such and such is investing. Think think about how many guys, think think about how many guys right now. They're not really investing. (laughs) Right. But uh, but even just willing to say something about it, you know? So as we kind of wrap up a little bit, um, I have two questions for each of you. Um, I don't care who goes first. So the first question would be, um, so I guess to, to, to temper it a little bit. So Chris, I know that you do, you know, personal finances. So life insurance and some other like, life insurance always sticks out, right? Because people die every day. And, you know, um, I think people... Um, many people, I won't say most people, but many people are like, oh, I got life insurance through my job, right? And then they die and their job is like, take this $5,000 and do the best you can, right? And so now grandma just chilling outside in the, you know, in the snow because the $5,000 really didn't do anything, anything at all. Um, My question, not specifically for um, life insurance, but for all of you is what would one thing, if you could get people to, do one thing right to take heed to one thing um what would that be and then the second question is um if you could leave a legacy right for your kids or for your family or you know at the point when it's time for your legacy right so chris faith and fred are no longer here and people bring their name up the same way that i'm like every time i hear faith i'm like she's a cpa like i laugh at faith specifically because there is a black people connect or something group on facebook and i swear people mention her name 40 times a day because people are like i'm looking for an accountant and it's like under one post it'll be 25 comments and 18 people have said faith bottom cpa faith bottom cpa so much that i'm like maybe i shouldn't i mean already <laughs> and I'm like damn she my friend too faith bottom cpa so you know, what is the thing that you would want um, people to know or people, your legacy to be like once you um, are not here to tell your story? What would you want those that to be? So what would you want people to know if they could do, if it was one thing they could do, what, what would it be? And then what would you want your legacy? What do you want your legacy to be um, once you're not here to tell the story? 
Chris, we haven't heard from you in a while. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, say the number, the guys, it's, it's, it's more than just one thing. Um, but honestly, the biggest thing is really understanding what your true net income is. Um, truly knowing what comes in and what goes out. Most people don't know that. No one really takes an inventory of their, their, their spending. They make money and they spend it. But if you truly understand what your net, um, your monthly net income is, you then know how much money you can put towards your debt. You then know how much money you can put towards your investing or put extra money towards your 401k, your, your, your other retirement plans. Knowing how much you have left over um, is, is, is powerful. Um, going back to couples that, that handle their finances separate, do, I always say do the exercise of combine our incomes together and subtract our expenses to, together and see how, you'd be surprised how much money some people have left over. And then what could we do with that leftover money? We can invest, we can, you know, the biggest thing for me is like leaving it like to your point, the next question is to leave a legacy. So what can we do today that will make our grandchildren's lives better? Um, you know, that's real, that's, that's our why, you know, so really honing in on what your purpose is and building a legacy is bigger than us. Um, so get out of the, of the today, and this today is hard, you know, but think about 30 years from now, what you can do today that will make life easier for the people you bring on this earth. Mm. You know, so what's your why? That's my why. So what is your why? Um, the legacy, I want to change people's family trees, point blank. I want every client that I have that comes to me, I want to change their family's financial trajectory for not just themselves, I want to teach them what to teach their children. You know, because this is, this is the area, especially in the black community that we lack the most. We have so much money, and, and it, which is so crazy. We spend so much money. We have the money, but it's not going to the right things. It's going to so much material stuff. And it's not to say that we can't enjoy the material things, if you if you get that net in, if you get that net monthly income right, you can realize that you can do that and more. But you have to track your spending. You have to track your spending. That's it. Change your family trees, family trajectories. That's that's big. That's I love it. That's big. You going next, Faith? Or you want you want to bring up the rear? Yeah, Faith, let, let Faith close it, close it out. Okay. Let, let Faith close it out. <laughs> So, so I'm just, I'm just first gonna say that, that Chris is on point with everything. I, I didn't advance as far as Chris has with, with his licenses. Like a lot of what I learned was um, some point in time. I think I was in my my second senior year in, in college. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it, like if anybody had anything that they was gonna sell, I went to the meetings to to sell knives. I went to that meeting. Back there, that meeting. Um, what was it? Was it called Amer I felt like it was called Ameriprise. But the whole thing was basically teaching you like the power of utilizing your debt, rolling it into to your mortgage, getting term uh, term life insurance, invest in the difference to to help create you know more more um, positive wealth you know for you as as you proceed. Which is where like 
I learned like the rule of 72, where you take your interest rate divided by 72, it tells you how long it's going to take for your money to duplicate. So everything that Chris is talking about, he's spot on. So I would definitely recommend people link with him. I'll just start with the legacy that I want to create is I'm not really giving my kids anything. I'm going to, um, cause I don't, tr I don't trust, I don't trust leaving wealth to the generation directly below you. Like, you know, my kids have lived with me their whole life. I'm going to take care of them all their life, but everything that I have, I'm leaving to, to the grandchildren. Okay. So I think I want my kids to do the same thing. Cause I think that there's some type of false expectation that will always be set. That if your kids, <laughs> your kids, you about 65, 70, your kids start saying, it's about that time. <laughs> like, you know, Prince Charles, I'm waiting to get the throne. It's about that time. You know? So so I don't I don't want to have that that false expectation. I want them to always know that everything I have is gonna go to their kids. And and I but I will help my kids do whatever that they need to do in order for them to um for them to be able to provide to their grandkids. And and I think I think that they'll respect that because I think they know they won't have to pay for their grandkids' college education. So that that'll be their hope. Um so my my legacy is is scholarships. Like I just want to make sure that I can create scholarship in school um, with the Raven last name so it stays on. So that's that first part. But to take heed. A lot of people are probably going to disagree with me, but I think that people are horrible at saving. I think people are generally even more horrible at investing. So the one thing that I, when I, when I worked as a loan officer at Citigroup and people would come in for a loan, even though the percentage rates were high, okay, it was never a mortgage that I would take, which is why they were prime lending. I would still convince people that, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take all of your debt. We're going to roll it into your mortgage. I don't, you are not gonna, we're not gonna let you start back from scratch and take a 30 year mortgage, right? Whatever you were already paying in all these bills, you can pay almost that amount, okay? You can maybe now have a 10 or a 15 year mortgage. So, so you'll be able to pay it off quicker, but you won't have all of this, um, all this unsecured debt that's just floating out there and that you're drowning in. So I would say that people need to be able to realize that they need to figure out ways to move their personal debt into their home debt, which everybody's generally able, people will focus on paying their home first, most people, okay? So that gives you a little bit of breather. And I think that's generally gonna be the easiest way for most people to, um, to increase their net worth and, and actually create generational wealth that they could pass on. I don't advocate and I, don't, I, I very rarely look at uh, single family homes as investments. But I, I think it is a great vehicle that it's able to store wealth and it's something that can be transferred. So for that reason, plus, plus it's a great way to control, control your rent costs. Like, cause that, that's, that's really what it is. It's being able to control what you're having to pay for your monthly expenses. So it's more so fixed as opposed to variable. So that, that's kind of the, the two things that I would pass on. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Um, one of the things that I think I value is time. Time is something that we don't get back and how we invest our time and what we choose to do with the time and what we take in, what we listen to, what we, what our actions are around all of that. Um, 
you know, you can either choose to study investments or talk to a financial advisor or gossip, you know, <laughs> you can, it's a choice and as basic as it is, um, it all goes to our mentality and how we move and how we think, which is a lot of time an underlying um, place for the decisions that we make, right? And what is our emotional compass? And all of those things helps to fuel our decisions, which then fuels our money in many ways, right? And so I just tell people all the time, a, a lot of times in conversations, it's different things. Hey, Faye, what you think about this? And, you know, and I just kind of go back to how are you willing to invest your time? Um, I think from a legacy perspective, um, one of the things that I think has been important to me, so I'm taking it from two places. One is uh, my daughter, you know, being a single mother, I had to drag her with me to board meetings and I had to drag her with me to client meetings. I remember before I started my business and when I was just doing it part time, I was hustling, meeting clients before work lunch breaks and after but what i didn't realize was that she was watching mm -hmm. so you know i want her personally um to know that her mother changed the game and not in an arrogant way but it's for her to always understand that there are possibilities and you play into possibilities and and your own expectations um, she says, mommy, I, I don't want to do what, what you do, which is fine. She doesn't have to, but she's also in the way that she's thinking it's leadership. She's, she's seen that. And so I want to leave a legacy of, um, the willingness to try. It's, it's just the will to say, you know what? I wasn't afraid to step out on faith, no pun intended, but um, and, and, and to try and to understand what my purpose was and to, um, bring a different awareness to accounting and to bring a different awareness to business for minorities and for women. And, um, you know, hopefully other CPAs that's coming or people that wants to get in business, um, a lot sooner than, than I did, if I can share with them things that I've learned you know, during my journey, I think that's the job is already done. So, um, having had all of you answer that, uh, the first thing that I'll say is that it's interesting to me that some part of what each of you said has been part of a personal conversation between you and I at some point. Um, Chris has attempted to dig into how I'm spending my money. And I've been like, yeah, I don't, can we call me back? Like, I don't want to like that. And so we could just, it makes me nervous. Um, you know, and we're going to get back to that. We're not, you know, the pandemic hit and I could kind of blame COVID a little bit, um, you know, but I, we're going to get back to that. You know, Frederick and I have definitely had conversations about, um, you know, home buying and, you know, 
leaving money, not for Michael and them, but maybe for Isaiah when there's some money to leave for somebody. Um, and then also, you know, Faith, you and I have definitely talked about, you know, what, them watching. And like, I remember having conversations with you, taking Madison with you, sitting in the back of the classroom, you were learning. Um, you know, I don't know that we knew at the time that she was learning too, but we definitely have had conversations about that. Um, I said in the beginning that I was very intentional about wanting the three of you here. And like, I'm not going to get teary eyed and all super emotional because I feel like that would prove Chris's point in the beginning about women being emotional. But it's very important <laughs> to me that you guys know how much um, this particular meeting of the minds um, means to me, not just today, but like in the days leading up to this, um, in the thoughts around what I wanted it to look like, it looked, it looked, has looked a lot more like what I thought I wanted. Um, than I even imagined. So much so that I'm like, yo, we got to do this again. Like, I, we got to have a specific topic and people need to hear like these perspectives again about something specific and not just this hugely broad thing. But I didn't come to the table with a specific thing I wanted to discuss um, because there are just so many things, right? And so, Chris, you are now kind of being welcomed into the fold. But what I'll share with you is that I have told both Faith and Frederick that like when I buy that lottery ticket and make the billion dollars that like they are going to manage my money. Like I've told them that verbatim before. And I mean that not just because like they are my friends, but also because I trust their expertise. And so now you own the team. And so I'm gonna have some money and then we can really talk about how I'm spending it. Maybe. Um, you know, but but I just I, I think that what you all bring to the table, both individually and collectively, um, is powerful, and that people there is power in who you know, but also power in knowledge. Um, it is not lost on me the things that Frederick acknowledged in the beginning about how similar you guys are, but just the middle, the mere fact that we're all people of color, and that you know we might be in different places along the spectrum, but there's definitely things that um, areas of knowledge that we have to give to people that will listen. And so, like I cannot thank you enough. Um, it's you know after work, Frederick has slaved me all day, but like you showed up and you were attentive and you participated. And it's seven thirty. It's like dinner time, maybe. Um, you guys don't work with Frederick, so you don't know. He sends emails at like two in the morning. It's really kind of ridiculous. So this is just the time he's really getting going. Um, but I just want to like thank you not only for your time, but for believing in, you know, what I wanted to do, um, believing, you know, spending your time and, you know, what happens to be currently my vision, right? And, and potentially um, part of me leaving my legacy, like it doesn't go lost on me. So I appreciate it more than you guys know. Um, I love y'all. I'm definitely going to be like, all right, y'all, it's time to do it again. But this time we're going to talk about this particular thing. Um, and then at the point when like it launches and y'all get y'all own show, just like put my name in the credits. That's oh, we appreciate you, Ovi. Like this yeah. way, and, and you know, we had our conversation, but you know, it, it was just a matter of time before your voice was to be, um, we needed to hear you. We, we we saw your written words, but you know your voice is purposeful, and so thank you so much for following that road of purpose. And um, you know you have our support a thousand and ten percent for sure. I love y'all. I'm like your DM cheerleader, yeah. Like you know, <laughs> you are. 
<laughs> like Chris's daughter is my spirit animal. I'd be like, back up off her. She need her space. Back up. Back up. She, she, turn on her Beyonce and leave her alone. Okay, now she's on. Now she's on. Man, this girl's music, music catalog is crazy. Faithful. No, Chris cannot tell. No, I'm telling you, I'm going in on Chris. Sorry, Chris. It's all love. It's all good. No, so we were, someone was doing a versus. And Chris came through, like, I, you know, all people, they're commenting from all over the world. I saw Chris Chavius is like, are y'all doing prayer requests? <laughs> order, no, it was the Kirk Franklin versus Fred Hammond. And he said, are y'all doing fr- prayer requests? Because my daughter won't go to sleep. <laughs> and I was hollering. I said, Chris, you are crazy. And he said for real. He was serious, and I was dying. Every night is a fight. Every <laughs> night is a fight. She's like, "Do I have to go to bed?" And it's like, "Yeah, man." It's like you gotta go. So I want my, yeah. I want my alone time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Don't shut down till you go to bed. You know, or the. Other I but just no. realized one more thing that that the three of us had in common. Like we could, we could literally have a band. We we play three different instruments, and we was we were even in band class together. I forgot oh. all about that. That's that's where we got the corduroy joke from. I was pumping her with Mr. Beasley's band class. Like there you go. There you go. There you go. I said, I'm there coming you go. in there with my alto saxophone. Yeah. Yes, it yeah, was. That's where it all happened, yo. It was Mr. Beasley's. So, Ovi, thank you for bringing the three of us together. Because Mr. Beasley's band class was undefeated. Yeah, yeah. That was 1991. Mm. Remember second semester? You couldn't do it freshman year. I mean, the first semester, sixth grade, started the second semester. I said my trumpet. I said my trumpet. I got my I gave my alto saxophone in the 10th grade to Sybil Haskins. I said, girl, you can do more with this than I can. She probably still got it, too. I'm wait, pretty sure. Wait, wait, wait. You gave? Because this, this is what my parents told me, okay? If we get you this, this what, $500 trombone, mm-hmm. you're going to be playing this, okay, for the next eight years. Or no Christmas, no birthday, no nothing. It won't no takeaways. I don't know how I hustled my parents into giving my alto saxophone to Sybil. You know what? I think because I started working early and I was like, yeah, you know, I got this job and I still got to go to school, you know? So I think I pulled that card. I mean, it it was something that was like a sad story, (laughs) but they went for it and I gave it right on the ceiling. She took that and did more. She did more with that than I ever could have imagined. And look at her now. See, now. you could just pull that card and be like, see, see what I'm saying? See? <laughs> now you leading bands. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I did that. My- <laughs> I did that. Man, Fred, you brought back a memory. Well, I love y'all. I appreciate your time. I um, appreciate you as well. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. I can't wait to hear your feedback. But until then, be nice, be authentic, because yeah, I'm listening.